So for those of you who uh, haven't met me yet, uh, my name is Pastor Josh Cummings, uh, and I've been on the staff here at the church since early November. Uh, I'm our director of community, and what that means is I get the privilege of working with our groups and group leaders. I help uh, people who are new and unconnected to uh, get connected with our groups and serving opportunities at the church and membership in the church. Um, and I know, I've heard it a couple times, I know some of you may have heard that uh, I was hired here at the church and you thought I was uh, coming to replace Pastor Bonnie, and that's actually not the case. Uh, you know, we all know that no one could replace Pastor Bonnie, uh, and we are honoring her at a retirement luncheon after the service. Uh, the role that I'm doing is actually what Josie Kaufman used to do for our church family, and I'm very excited to be here. Uh, in this series that we're in right now called One Step at a Time, We've heard from Pastor Steve and Pastor Matt about how small steps practiced regularly can create big life changes. We're doing this series because it's really, it's true that our thoughts influence our words, and our words influence our actions. Those actions become our habits, and our habits create a destiny. If we want our destiny to be a Christ-like life, then we have to take steps to get there. Uh, Pastor Steve said two weeks ago, he said that success is not reached by making big changes. It's about taking one step in the right direction. And then last week, Pastor Matt shared with us about the power of our thoughts. Uh, and he noted how it's often the small things that no one wants, that no one sees, that result in the big things that everyone wants. And so this morning, we're going to build on that. We're talking about the power of our words. Uh, and this morning, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you the story of a man who had a very bad day. This man's name was Blair Walsh. And as the kicker for the Minnesota Vikings, he made the most field goals in the NFL in 2015. He even made six out of eight field goals over 50 yards. And he scored all of Minnesota's points in their wild card playoff game on January 9th. At the end of that game, the Vikings were down 10 to 9, very close game, but they had driven to the Seattle 17-yard line with 26 seconds left to play before they were forced to kick a 27-yard field goal on fourth down. It's a chip shot, and uh, here's what happened. McDermott is the snapper, and the kick is no good! Wow! Go figure. Oh, baby, yeah. It's time to pray to the heavens, Michael. You're right. No good. Not even close. So it was just a shocking and disappointing ending to this game for Minnesota and their fans. Uh, after the game, Walsh said in the locker room, he told the media, the whole thing is on me. Jeff did his job, Kevin did his, and I'm the only one who didn't. These guys deserve to win, and we didn't. And as the media left the locker room, he broke down in tears, and his teammates came over to console him. There was quite a backlash on social media, you know, on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, against this guy, Blair Walsh mostly from disappointed Vikings fans who really felt like the game was already won. They felt like it was over. All they had to do was make this easy kick. 
And as is not uncommon, unfortunately, on social media, people said terrible things about him. They said things like, kill yourself. Please, I beg you to drive off the nearest cliff on your way home. And you're worthless. They even said the equivalent of, if you are on the team next year, I will cut your foot off. They just, they just tore him up. It was awful, some of the things that people said. And at the same time, there were many who wanted to encourage Walsh on the toughest day of his career. Uh, his former teammate, a wide receiver named Nate Burleson, had this to say. Uh, he'd had an, just enough of the vitriol, and he posted these words to Walsh. He said, I know today seems like a dark day in your athletic career, but you will bounce back better and stronger from this, brother. You have kicked game winners before, and you will kick game winners in the future. And not to mention, you were a huge part of why the Vikes were in the game with three field goals, so hold your head high. Now to all the so-called fans who have taken to social media to put him down, curse out, and threaten him and his family. Please take a long look in the mirror. If y'all had your mistakes on grand display for the world to see, would you want thousands of people tearing you down with harsh words and threats? No, we have to be a little bit more sensitive to one another in the moments in which we fail. If we can't lean on each other to encourage us through the dark times, then we are lost as a society. Trust me, there is nobody that feels worse than Blair Walsh right now. So let's try to build him up instead of destroy. As Christians, this is exactly the attitude that we should have. Although we may not say anything as terrible as what those people said about this kicker, we all say things at times that tear people down. Instead, we should only say what is helpful for building others up in faith. We should build and not destroy with our words. As we begin 2016, you know, let's consider together how we will use our words this year. Will you choose words that tear others down, or will you choose words that build them up? Let's take a look at Ephesians 4.29 this morning. If you want to turn in your Bible, it'll be up on the screen as well. It says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how you've spoken to us in it. Lord, we pray that you would uh, work in our hearts today, that you would speak to us, uh, and that you would help us to become more and more like Christ every day. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So my first point today is that as Christians, we should abandon the use of life-taking words, uh, or words that tear people down. As we read this verse, we first see that the Apostle Paul is asking believers to avoid the use of corrupting words. And Paul is saying to let go of ways of speaking that tear others down instead of building them up. Let go of words that are life-taking instead of life-giving. The word Paul used in this verse that, that we translate as corrupting actually refers to rotten fruit or something that is just worthless and no longer fit for use. So for a Christian, words that do not build someone else up in faith are about as useless as a piece of rotten fruit lost in the back of your fridge. You know, my family loves avocados, and especially my, my little daughter, and so if, if we get avocados, most of the time they're either like totally just rock hard, 
and impossible to eat, or they're totally rotten and useless. If we cut up half of an avocado for my daughter uh, and put the other half in the fridge, it is totally useless and rotten within a day or two. Uh, and if a Tupperware container gets lost in the back of the fridge for a week or more, let's just say that Tupperware container led a good life. <laughs> and it will be dearly missed. Uh, life-taking words are as useless to a Christian as a nasty old avocado growing mold in the back of your fridge. So the words of our old nature, these corrupting, life-taking, worthless words, these words are, uh, they're life-taking, they're not life-giving. And we see this in Proverbs. Proverbs 12, 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, The tongue has the power of life and death. Life and death. Think about that. When we don't take this seriously, we, we both, we underestimate the potential for good, uh, that we can have with our words, and we also underestimate the power to inflict pain on someone else with our words. The old saying of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me uh, is not only contradicted by these scriptures, but just from our experience, we know that's not true. Words can hurt people very, very much. Our reckless words can pierce someone's soul. The tongue can hurt people for the rest of their lives. And sometimes it's, it's a careless thing, it's a careless comment, something like, that is a terrible idea. Uh, you know, for me, when I was young, I, you know, I was, I like music, and I had, I remember a couple different times where people said to me um, something like, you call that music? Or, they're terrible, just listen to it. Uh, and at the time, like, I took it very personally. Um, it felt like they were personally attacking me. But in all reality, people say things that are much more destructive than that. You know, they, they say things like, I can't stand you. Or, I've found someone else. Or, I never loved you anyway. You're pathetic. Or, I wish I never had you. You know, reckless words really do pierce like a sword. And unfortunately, many of us even just talking about it, are reminded of past hurts in our lives. The flip side is also true. You know, we've all had uh, times where someone said something encouraging to us that was exactly what we needed to keep going in that moment. Maybe it was words like, I love you. I'm so proud of you. You are my dream come true. And you are so talented. Maybe you have someone in your life who's just full of stuff like that, who's, uh, everyone wants to be around them because they speak life-giving words. Uh, you know, the words that we use, as we've seen, can bring healing in life or pain and death to the soul. So when we talk about words, uh, words to avoid, most of the time our mind just goes straight to this list of, of these are the words we shouldn't say. But I want to tell you this morning that God is even more concerned about your heart attitude. When I was a kid, uh, I was a moderately sheltered, homeschooled pastor's kid. And uh, when my non-Christian friends found this out, most of them felt that it was their solemn duty to uh, list off every single curse word that they knew. Uh, you know, I don't know if they were trying to just 
make my face turn red or if they were uh, trying to improve my vocabulary. Uh, But the thing is, they thought that Christian behavior was pretty much just avoiding swear words. And there's so much more than that. Being living evidence of God's love is much more than just avoiding a list of a few specific words. You don't have to use specific dirty words to use life-taking, corrupting, harmful, worthless words. Not only is it wrong for Christians to use life-taking words, but it's really just antithetical to our new nature in Christ. It goes against who we are. Blessing God and cursing his creation should not come out of the same mouth. James, the brother of Jesus, says this about the tongue. James says in James 3, 9 through 10, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. And it's not right to talk about how amazing our God is and then diss the people that he loves. I know, I mean, I know how I would feel if someone, uh, they thought I was amazing, but they complained about and they insulted my kids. Imagine how God feels when we talk bad about his children. You know, the more we love God, the more we will love his children and seek to build them up with our words. For someone who who truly loves God, it just makes no sense to tear down his creation, his children that he loves with our words. In that same chapter, James uh, is talking about the power of our our words, and he also compares the tongue to uh, the bit in a horse's mouth or to the rudder of a huge ship. The words that we say may seem insignificant, But they are very, very powerful, and they can set the course for our lives. Choose words that represent the person that you want to become. Choose words that represent the person that you want to become. Those those small steps will chart a course for your future as you repeat them, one step at a time. Uh, We've talked about how God's Word tells us to abandon the use of life-taking words. But it also encourages us to choose words that will build others up in faith. And that is the second thing that I want you to remember today. Choose words that build others up in faith. Some translations of of, uh, Ephesians 4.29 will say edification. And that's that's a, a Christianese word that essentially just means that building people up in their faith. Select life giving words. And this is just one way that we can be living evidence of God's love, like we talk about in our mission statement. So, in order for us to change, we want to change, to successfully change, we have to replace an old negative behavior with a new positive behavior. And we we see this all the time. If if someone wants to uh, quit smoking, they replace the old habit with a new habit like exercise. If someone wants to lose weight, they start drinking water instead of drinking pop. And in the same way, Paul tells us to replace our old sinful behavior with a new godly behavior, several verses before verse 29. So this is Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. It says this, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. 
put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Paul goes on to talk about how we should replace lies with truth, and anger with self-control, and theft with generosity, and finally, words that tear people down with words that build people up. We're called to throw off our old nature, our old identity before Christ, and to put on our new nature and let the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes, right? It's the Holy Spirit that makes us new, that changes us from the inside out. And just as you would change an item of clothing, we should put on our new nature, our new identity in Christ. We are called to live holy as Christ has made us holy before God. And it's the Holy Spirit that that helps us to do that, that changes us. So Paul encourages us to choose words that build others up in faith uh, in Ephesians, but later in the book of Romans, he says this. He says, So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. So it's much more than just avoiding saying certain words or certain types of words, but Paul is calling us to uh, proactively choose words that are going to encourage people to build them up. Uh, And... You know, maybe you, you see that in your life. Maybe someone in your small group is between jobs. Maybe they're feeling like they've failed or that God is not with them in their struggle. And you and your group can encourage them by telling them how valued and loved they are by God and by your group. Uh, you can share stories with them of times when God came through for you. Maybe you know someone who is raising young kids or taking care of an elderly parent, and just the demands of daily life are just wearing them down. And you can encourage them that they are doing a noble, godly thing, giving of themselves to serve someone else. A few words from you could be exactly the encouragement that they need. So we know we should, but... uh, how do we build others up? This morning we're going to take a look at a couple uh, ways that Paul mentions. Uh, and one of the ways that we can build others up in faith is to choose words that meet their, new, their needs instead of your own. In Philippians 2.3, Paul says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Many of us are just used to using our words for our own benefit, right? It's, it's pretty natural. Um, I know sometimes if I'm having a conversation with someone, sometimes I'll just be thinking about what I want to say instead of really listening to what they're saying. Instead of seeking to benefit them, I am just trying to say my thing. And my intent, my priority is just my needs instead of theirs. And, and maybe you do the same thing. Maybe you're like me. Or uh, maybe you just want to talk about what's important to you and you don't allow for other people to talk about what's important to them. Choose words that meet their needs, not your own. You can ask yourself, am I trying to benefit them, or am I just meeting my own needs, saying what I want to say? Another way to, um, to build others up is to choose words that fit the moment, like it says in Ephesians 4.29. It can be really easy to say something that is not bad in and of itself, uh, but is inappropriate and not loving in the moment. For me, I'm going to tell you guys a story this morning about a time uh, where some, some friends of mine and I, uh, we did not uh, communicate in a way that was appropriate for the moment. I was a part of a ministry team right out of 
um, Bible school, and we traveled around, did ministry events, and we were at a church in Medina, New York, and we had our whole service planned out. We had talked ahead with the the pastor, and we knew what we were going to do for the service, Um, and when we got there and the service was about to start, we were on stage ready for an opening skit, and the pastor said, hey, we have this ministry team with us. Before we get started, I want to take a minute to pray for someone in our church. There's a guy in our church who owns a construction company, and he had uh, someone on one of his jobs fall from a cherry picker, and uh, this person uh, later died at the hospital. So we want to pray not only for the family of the man who passed away, but uh, for this member of our church who's taking it really rough. Just an awful situation, and so uh, we took the time, we prayed, And then he handed over the service to us. And we started our service uh, with no changes. Our our first skit was a very funny skit that usually went well. But this skit was about skydiving. And this skit involved a lot of lines about falling, uh, about falling and dying. There was one, literally there was one line that said, yeah, I wouldn't want to fall and die or anything. And it was all done in a very joking way. But we did not pay attention to the needs of those people, the needs of that situation. Um, And when we finished our event, we were wondering why people didn't respond well or people didn't laugh at at the funny skits in certain places. And our staff advisor said to us, look, you need to pay more attention to what's going on and adapt uh, in these services, Um, you know, because this is what happened. And she spelled it out, and she said, I heard... uh, a teenager behind me say, well, isn't that ironic during your skit? And we felt so bad. I mean, we, we were gone. We were ne- never going back. We couldn't really apologize. Um, but we didn't pay attention to the needs of the moment. And so, uh, you know, sometimes it, it, it's just hard, even awkward, to, like, think about that, that memory because I wish we would have done it differently. Um, and I wish we had thought enough about the needs of the situation to change our plan. So we can love others, you know, by saying the right thing at the mu- right time, by observing the situation uh, and waiting for the right time to say something. One part of saying things at the right time is making the most of every opportunity we have to share Jesus with unbelievers. Colossians 4, five and s- 4 verse 5 and 6 says, "...to live wisely among those who are not believers." And make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Don't squander those opportunities that you have to show people Jesus in your conversation with them. Don't waste those, those opportunities. You know, who knows when your next opportunity will be. Um, but we all have friends and, and family that uh, really need Jesus. And let's not waste the opportunities that we have to show them Jesus. Uh, So Paul tells us that life-giving words that build others up in faith will minister God's grace to those who hear them. When you do this, when you choose words that build others up in faith, you are the agent that brings the grace of God to the situation. When a fellow believer is going through tough times, be there to encourage them, support them, pray for them most of all. When a non-Christian friend is filled with regret for what they've done, be there to offer uh, hope in Christ for forgiveness. When they expect judgment, offer grace and hope 
The grace of God does not deny someone's sin, but it loves, values, and honors them in spite of it. How can you, how can you bring God's grace into your sphere of influence? So this morning, my question for you is, how will you steward the words that you have in this life? Will you use them to tear down or to build up? Jesus said, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word that you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. You know, as we surrender more of our heart to Christ, the more our words will become like his words. We will give an account for our words, so we should choose them wisely. And without the forgiveness found in Christ, we would all be condemned by our life-taking words. Um, you know, I, when I first started on staff uh, at a, my church in New York, I was leading the young adult ministry, and I, I bought a plant for an event when I was first starting, and I kept it in my office um, for several years. And this poor plant had a pretty rough life. Uh, I would forget to water it for a week at a time, sometimes more, and I had to bring it back from the brink of death several times uh, because it was just so dehydrated that the soil was all dried up, the leaves would get crispy, a couple of them would fall off, um, and then I would just dump like a gallon of water in there. Uh, but just as I did just a terrible job of neglecting my plants, Sometimes we can fail to nourish the people around us and neglect to encourage them with life-giving words. You know, have you, ask yourself, have you neglected to build up your family with your words? Have you neglected to encourage your friends? If, if our goal is to see the people around us growing in faith, um, then it's going to take some steps to get there, and we can start by considering how we can build them up with our words. Take one step at a time towards the goal. And if the people around us in our sphere of influence aren't growing in faith, then maybe we should consider how we can build them up. Speak words of life to the people around you. So this morning, we've looked at how we as believers should choose our words. Uh, we need to abandon the use of life-taking words. We need to choose life-giving words that build others up in faith. So what does that look like? Um, what, you know, what's our next step? And for you, maybe this morning, the Holy Spirit has been tugging on your heart, and, and you need to confess and repent uh, of tearing someone down with your words. Um, and if that's you, you know, I'd encourage you, don't wait. Don't say, I'll do it later. You know, do it today. Or, um, and maybe it was a friend Maybe your spouse, or maybe your children. Maybe you've been very apathetic about the words you say, and uh, you need to proactively choose. My goal is going to be to build up the people around me, the people in my life that God has um, given to me. Or maybe someone has uh, built you up in the past with their words. They've been very encouraging to you when you needed it, and you need to pass that on to someone else. It all starts with a heart change, right? Like Jesus said, 
And so uh, we need to ask Jesus to change our hearts. We need the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. Live according to your new nature in Christ, right? Your new identity, not according to who you used to be, but who you are now in Christ. And listen to what his Spirit is saying to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to change your heart and to help you to choose words that build others up. Let's take another step towards being living evidence of God's love in a greater way. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for uh, the people you've put in our lives that are so valued by you. Um, And we just pray right now that you would give us opportunities to build others up in faith with our words. Lord, um, for those of us who are still, we're still bearing the wounds of of people's life-taking words in the past, we ask that you would heal those broken places in our life, Lord. We we need you. Uh, Father, we ask that you would just help us as we go from here, Lord, as as some of us um, go to others in our lives uh, and and apologize and repent for what we've done, Lord. uh, We ask that you would go with us, that you'd give us strength, that you'd make us more and more Christ-like through the process. Help us to uh, regularly take steps towards a more Christ-like life. Help us to uh, choose words that give life, that build others up. Go with us. You are the one who gives us uh, what we need to to change, Lord. And uh, we're asking right now that you would just do a great work inside of all of us. Thank you for your presence, your hand on our lives. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.